tell you what, I'm on, you go to Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to put Galatians um, 3 and 13 up on the screen, just uh, 13 and 14, amen. Go ahead and turn to Colossians 1, and I got Galatians 3 on the screen. Um, I want to, uh, I want to share some things with you tonight, uh, building on what we started this morning, and of course I'm well aware that, that, uh, some, if not a lot of you, were not here this morning, but we can, um, we can review and get us all on the same page here uh, pretty quick like so. Uh, Galatians 3, uh, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Not will redeem us, not is in the process of redeeming us, but has redeemed us, past completed action, amen. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, that means you've been redeemed, you no longer under the curse of the law. Come on now. Cursed is everyone, for it is written, cursed is everyone. He having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But notice the verse 13 ends with a comma. And we see that he's redeemed us from the curse that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This verse um, reminds me of Deuteronomy 6 and 23 where the Bible says God brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that he might bring them into their promised land. Speaking of his uh, people who had become enslaved in Egypt, he brought them out so that he could bring them in. He didn't just bring them out so they would be out. He brought them out so he could bring them into a better place. So the same pattern for us in the New Testament, he brought us out from under the curse. He brought us out of darkness so that he could bring us into the light, so that he brought us out from the curse, so that he could bring us into the blessing. So the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, Colossians chapter 1. Let me, before um, I, uh, I read any of these verses to you, one of the things that we mentioned this morning is that there's, there's more here than we can cover in, you know, four or five sessions together. And so we're, we're having to build this thing, you know, pieces at a time and then put them all together. And, and sometimes that can be a little tedious. And sometimes it almost seems like, well, now it seems like he's talking about something different. No, we're, we're still talking about the same thing, but I'm, I'm wanting you to see the bigger picture, not just uh, one small piece or fragment of, of the picture, but the full picture uh, of, of what Father uh, desires for us, what, what He um, is, is doing for us. And you say, well, why, why does it seem so complex or, or so complicated? Why does it require so much explanation? Well, um, the simple answer to that is because Father was wanting to put all of this in a system that could never be corrupted again. You see, what he initially had with Adam um, was corrupted by Adam. Now Jesus came, the Bible identifies him as the last Adam. Some call him the second Adam, that's fine, but as long as you know there'll never be a third, amen. Jesus came as the last Adam to restore back to you and me everything that was given to the first Adam and he lost it for us when he sinned. The Bible teaches that we were all in Adam in seed form when he sinned, which is a, 
really amazing concept, but nonetheless, this is what the Bible teaches, and we need to understand these things from that perspective. So when Adam sinned, the Bible says we all sinned with him. And remember, sin causes us to fall short of God's highest and best for us, fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came as the last Adam to restore everything back to you and me that the first Adam lost. But, but he did it as one of us, okay, and because Jesus did it, the only way it can fail now is for Jesus to fail. And that's never going to happen. So this is why, like, for instance, through the new birth, we've received an indestructible heredity. The heredity we received from Adam was not only destructible, it, it, it became corrupted. But the heredity now that we have in Christ, it can't be corrupted. Amen. So there, this requires... a some teaching and some understanding. Like, for instance, we see that, that God, our Father, wants us to be blessed. We see in Genesis 1, he created, him, he created Adam, and then the first thing he did was blessed him, empowered him to prosper. You were created by Father God to be blessed. Sin disqualified Adam and the descendants of Adam from the blessing. We see throughout the Old Testament different ways that God, you know, temporarily provide a means for his people, the biological descendants of Abraham, to have access to the blessing. But all of that was like a donut spare tire. You know what I mean by donut spare tire? It's never meant to, to, to get you all the way, you know, wherever you're going for the rest of your life. A donut spare tire is supposed to be a temporary stopgap measure until you can get the, the wheel fixed, right? That'll carry you all the way to where you're supposed to be. And so all of these, even the law itself, the commandments that came through Moses, they were never meant to be a final answer. They were a stopgap measure to preserve uh, a people unto God until the promise, the one to whom the promise was made, Jesus, the promise of blessing that we've inherited from him would come. You see, let, let, me, let me say it another way. Father God is really, really smart. Okay, he's really, really smart. And so when we, we see now that, that what qualifies you and me for, to be blessed, to inherit the blessing, is to be justified, right? If you're justified, you're qualified. Well, see, we're no longer justified by uh, obeying the commandments. We're justified by believing on Jesus. We're justified by receiving salvation and a gift of righteousness, a gift of justification. Amen. So now that we're justified, we're qualified. And the only way now to receive, so these are some of the things that we've been talking about of late, the only way then to receive the blessing that Father originally created you and me to, to live our lives with um, is to inherit it, is to inherit it. But see, what comes to us by inheritance, you inherit based upon your identity, not upon, based upon your behavior. You don't, you don't earn inheritance, right? Inheritance is not based on doing, it's based upon being. So now that we've been recreated in Christ Jesus, we've become something, we now be something that we weren't before, and who we be now qualifies us yet again to receive the blessing through inheritance. This makes it sure. That's, that's the word that was used by Father in Romans 4. So that now it will be sure to all the seed. It's, it's, it's locked in now. Amen. And there ain't a thing. Listen to me now. There's not a thing the devil can do to stop God's people from living in the blessing. Amen. 
If we set our hearts and minds upon Him and, and, and walk in that by faith, there's nothing the devil can do to stop it. This is why unbelief is such um, a weapon that the devil uses against us. Because to you see, in other words, there's a lot of folks that's like, well, man, can't it be both ways? Can't we just like, if, we're, if we really obey the commandments, God will bless us, or if we believe, God will bless us. No, because see, again, obeying the commandments, that's a system that can be corrupted. Now we're, we're in a system, I, I, this is so hard for us to understand, and some people were like, Pastor Mark, you shouldn't be telling. No, listen to me, please. We're in a system now that, you know, you can fall flat on your face seven times this week, and the blessing of the Lord still be working in your life if you continue to believe that you're blessed. Now see, the devil knows that when we sin, we have a, a tendency to condemn ourselves even though there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The devil knows that, that um, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, amen, and he's not condemning us. But if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So what happens, you know, when we sin, you say, well, that disqualifies us from the blessing. No, it doesn't. If I commit a sin, I am not disqualified from the blessing of God upon my life. But remember, I operate in that blessing by faith. If I sin or willfully sin, what this does is it, 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 it makes it more difficult, let's say it that way, for me to operate in faith. Because I'm beating myself up, I'm condemning myself. It, it, it has the tendency to influence my confidence towards God. And the devil knows that. He just won't know if you know that. All right, so Colossians 1 and verse 9. For this reason, since the day, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. How many of you understand that if the Apostle Paul prayed this constantly for born again believers, this is important stuff? Not to mention, he was led by the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a part of the canon of Scripture. So this is not just a prayer, this is an inspired Holy Spirit prayer that has now become a part of the Word of God. Very important stuff. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, he's going to talk about other things here, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. All of those things, walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing, I'm sorry, I didn't put it on the screen, and increasing the knowledge of God, all of those things are dependent upon you being filled with the knowledge of His will. Let me, let me say it another way. If you don't know what Father's will for your life is, it's going to be very difficult for you to walk worthy of Him. It's going to be very difficult for you to please Him. Right? Because what He desires, what He wants for you, is obviously what's going to please Him. Let me, let me state the obvious here. If we're doing things that He does not want us to do, that's not going to please Him. So it's, it's when we understand His will for our individual lives, for our, for our collective lives together, we understand what it is that God wants for us and from us. Amen. With that knowledge now, we're equipped to walk worthy of Him. With that knowledge, we're equipped to fully please Him. With that knowledge, we're equipped to be fruitful in every good work. And with that knowledge, we're equipped, we're equipped to increase in the knowledge of God. Right? You understand? In other words, so this means that... Being filled with the knowledge of His will um, is, is fundamental. It's, it's foundational. 
Notice that until we understand what it is that God wants for us and from us, we're in no position to increase beyond that in the knowledge of God. And, and this is where so many crazy, false, wrong teachings and doctrines come from in the body of Christ. It, it, it's teachings coming from people who don't know the will of God for mankind. They don't understand what God wants. They don't understand what God desires. They, 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 they're, they're clueless when it comes to the will of God for mankind. And so without that uh, anchor, without that foundation, amen, they, they, they have no context for the, for the Bible that they preach from. And, and so this is where you, you, know, you come up with all kinds of, of misunderstanding, confusion, error, what have you. Um, mishandling of the Word of God. He goes on to say, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. See, again, he's speaking of endurance here, endurance with circumstances and situations, endurance with, with people that can you know, be uh, annoying or obstacles or what, what have you in our lives. If you don't know what the will of God is for your life, it's very difficult for you to hang in there. He's talking about not quitting here. He's talking about enduring. He's talking about staying in the course. He's talking about when the going gets tough, having done all to stand, stand there for. But see, if, if it's still up in the air, what God wants for you and what God wants from you, it's going to be very easy for the devil to trick you when, when it comes to these things. So, to, you know, I draw strength in my life in knowing that I'm doing what Father God wants me to do. Amen. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? This, this, is a, this is a key piece, a key element in this. According to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. So notice again, until we really know what God wants for us and from us, we're really in no position to, to give Him thanks. I'm, don't misunderstand me. We, someone who doesn't understand these things can be thankful along the way. But my brother, my sister, when, you, when, when the picture of what God's will for your life is begins to open up and, and become clear to you, the thankfulness, you know, let me cut to the chase. Among the things that's His will for you, it's God's will for you to be blessed. And, and when you begin to understand how, how desperately He desires for you to be blessed, when you begin to understand the price that He paid so that His blessing could be upon you and me once again. Amen. See, this is His will for you. Amen. This is what He wants for you. And, 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 and until we understand that, we're, we're really in no position even to, to be thankful the way we need to be thankful. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. Qualified to be partakers, qualified to have an equal share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. All right, now, praise God. Let's go back to verse 9, and I want to settle in here, and we'll talk about this um, in the time that we have remaining tonight. So, um, for this reason, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, I'm going to single out this phrase, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Okay? That you may be filled, that you may be filled 
with the knowledge of his will. Okay? Um, <clears throat> we use this expression in our um, language today. We may say that somebody is full of themselves, right? Or that they're full of it. Sometimes that can be a little borderline vulgar there, right? Um, but notice now, not, not full of ourselves, not, not full of uh, a, a bunch of, um, you know, blather, amen, but filled with the knowledge of his will. He's talking about something that's life-defining here. He's talking about a confidence that comes from this, a, a, a knowing that comes from this, filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, the part, let's connect something together that we may or may not have time to talk about tonight, but let me go back to the verse. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, remember, when we get to wisdom, we're talking about application. So when he says fill with the knowledge of his will, he's not just talking about, um, you know, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like an intellectual knowing. But he's talking about knowing it in a way that makes a difference in your daily life. He's talking about being filled with the knowledge of God's will on a level that enables you to actually do something, to do His will. In other words, if you tell me you know God's will for your life, but you don't know what to do next, you don't know His will the way you need to know His will. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, He's talking about us understanding it on a, on a practical level. So remember this word now. So here He's talking about the will of God as it relates to the ways of God. The will of God as it relates to the ways of God. And as we begin to break down what the will of God is for you and, and, and what it is that God wants for you and what it is that He wants from you, we're going to see that, that I believe most everybody wants what God wants for them and what God wants from them. But where it breaks down for so many folks is the, the, the wisdom and spiritual understanding part. Or let me simplify it, okay? We want what God wants for us, we just want it a different way than God's way. Let's go back to it, and I'll, I'll break this down a little further, but I'm trying to give you the big picture now before we get to the details. So, for instance, anybody in their right mind wants to be blessed? <laughs> Any, anybody in their right mind wants, wants to be successful and prosperous and protected and, and, and so forth and so on, right? So... In other words, that's something that God wants for you. God wants you to be blessed. He created you to be blessed, okay? So anybody that says they don't want to be blessed don't know what they're talking about, okay? They, they don't, they, they're, they're clueless, all right? But, but again, where, where it breaks down is the way in which we go about being blessed, Okay? how we pursue what a blessed life looks like. So you've got God's ways of being blessed, and you've got the world's ways of being blessed. This, this is where things uh, 
are often in, in this state of disagreement with God or, or lack of harmony with God, okay? So let's, let's build on this a little while, all right? We were created by God to be one with Him, to live our daily lives as one with Him by walking in harmony with Him. Our ability to accomplish and enjoy this depends greatly upon our understanding of His will. Okay, so if we don't know what His will is, it's going to make it very difficult for us to walk in harmony or agreement with Him. Amos 3.3, some of you may be familiar with this verse, can two walk together unless they're agreed? So, you know, you, you've got to have agreement if we're going to be able to walk together, walk closely with the Lord. Now, I want to try to dispel some of the mystery that's associated with God's will for our lives. And in doing that, I may oversimplify some things, but we have to kind of start at a, at a simple place and then build from there. Amen? So the simplest way to define the will of God is to think of it in terms of what does God want? What, what does God want? And the will of God for your life then should be understood as what God wants for you and what He wants from you. Do you again, I'm, I'm not trying to be oversimple sim, here, oversimplified here. But it, 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 in those, those two broad categories, was when, when God had you in mind, because the Scriptures clearly teach that He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, what was it that He ultimately wanted for you, or let me, let me simplify that even, even more, that He wanted you to have? Okay? That would be what He wants for you, so, so that would be what He wanted to give to you? Is that, is that even better? It, you know, what, he created you. Obviously, the first thing He did, He created Adam, He gave him blessing. Right? You see this. Clearly we see when, when God created Adam that there were things that he gave to Adam and then there were things that he wanted Adam to give to him. So you have this, again, because we were created to live as one with God in, in, in relationship with him, we see that, that there's what God wills, desires, wants to give to you and then there's that that he wants you to give to him. What he wants for you, ultimately for you, and what he wants from you, ultimately what he wants from you. So the question then, I think, is one, and I'm asking you tonight, if you're taking notes, I know it's not really like super complex things to remember, but I would like for you to write those, those two questions down. If you don't have pen and paper now, do it later, because I want you to spend some time before God with these questions. It's very important uh, that you ask Father, and, and even if you think you know the answer to these questions, that you ask Him, because I'm telling you, He wants more for you than any of us understand. And he wants more from us than any of us understand. So the questions are, do you know what God wants from you? Oh my goodness, there's so many people who are confused when it comes to this. I, I struggled. I was born again at a very young age, okay? And um, I came out of my mother's womb looking for somebody to please. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people pleaser and I have to, you know, amen. That's, 
that can be a good thing, but the enemy's tried to also make it a, a negative thing. Okay, I, I, have, I have no problem serving people. It's, it's, I enjoy it. Um, it's just, amen, it's just, praise God. It's who I am. It's, who, it's how God wired me. Of course, the enemy wants to use that as, as, a, as a negative um, in my life, okay? And, and one of the ways, uh, I, I was born again when I was very young, and um, most of my uh, early years of, of living for the Lord on into my uh, teenage years, uh, late teenage years, um, I, I, I struggled with this idea that what God wanted from me was perfection. That he, he wanted me... Um, and I don't mean as the Bible teaches perfection, which is maturity, but perfection like to never do anything wrong and at the same time always do everything right. And because I thought that's what he wanted from me, every time I fell short of that, I thought he was mad at me, that I was a failure, that I, I, I that he's no, and, and, you know, you kind of sprinkle in some Pentecostal legalism on top of all that, you know, <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus, right? And, and so, you know, that was, you know, my, uh, now the Lord brought some good uh, out of my ignorance. Like when I was a teenager and dating, I, I, I would keep a record of how long I spoke on the phone with my girlfriend to make sure that I didn't, talk to her more than I talk to the Lord or spent time in the Word. Okay? Now you say, well, Pastor, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is I thought I had to do that for God to love me. That's what's wrong with that. And I thought because I did that, that somehow made me more spiritual or holy than everybody else. It's called a religious spirit, by the way, if you're wondering. Okay, so, so <clears throat> I, I struggled with that and notice, it was because I didn't know the will of God for my life. In the sense that I didn't know really what he, he wanted from me. Are you, are you seeing this? And now, the other question though is not just what does he want from you, but what does he want for you? So one has to do with what he wants us to give to him. The other is what he desires to give to you. Amen. Now, I know that this is where a lot of pastors would try to tell you that there's some kind of trade-off here. That if you give him what he wants uh, to have, he'll give you what he wants you to have. It doesn't work that way, though. He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. The moment you called upon him, you became his heir and a co-heir together with Jesus himself. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. As his heir, you have inherited the blessing of Abraham and everything that that involves and includes. Okay? Amen. Are you following what I'm saying here? So, let's, um, praise God. So, this idea then of living in harmony with him, in other words, to understand what God wants from you, and don't, don't, don't disagree with that, okay? Give Him what He wants from you, and don't 
don't resist or try to talk him out of what he wants for you. Best advice I could ever give anybody? Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Okay? Now, no one in their right mind, as we've already mentioned, would disagree with what God wants for you. So make no mistake about it, my friend. Don't, don't be confused or deceived or believe the devil's lies. God's will for you is health. He wants for you to be healthy. He wants you to prosper and, and be successful. Thank you for that one faint, distant amen I heard echoing off the wall to my right. Amen. Peace. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you. My joy I give you that your joy may be to the full. Father God wants you to have health and He wants prosperity for you. He wants peace for you. He wants joy overflowing for you. Rest for you. Abundance for you. I mean, each one of these is a sermon or a sermon series in and of itself. How about this dominion for you? We go all back to Genesis. He blessed them and, and, and told them to have dominion. Father God created you to rule and reign in life. How about contentment? The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you realize how many, so many of God's people, they, they're not content. No, no matter where they are, no matter what they have, they, they, it's like they can't find that place of contentment in life. My friend, God's will for you is, is contentment. How about this one? God, God wants honor for you. This is why the enemy tries so hard to shame us and, and, and embarrass us. Because what Father ultimately wants for you is honor. He wants you to be a man or a woman of honor. He wants to honor you, and He wants you to understand how to honor others. Fruitfulness. We were created by God to live a fruitful life, to produce good things. We were created with the capacity to produce good things. Meaningfulness. He wants love for you. Father God wants you to be loved protection, influence, wealth. I mean, we could go, the list could go on and on. I, I have the three dots at the end of my list here. How about eternal life? <laughs> that's, that's pretty important there, isn't it, right? So simply put, God wants you to be blessed, and anyone in their right mind wants to be blessed. This is agreement. In other words, we agree with God in terms of what he wants for us. Everyone wants to be blessed, but not everyone understands or desires to be blessed God's way. So notice the disagreement is not with a desire to be blessed, but in the way to be blessed. This is where we fall into disagreement with God. Now, that's what God wants for you. And, and, and that's not, by the way, that's not a, a comprehensive list. Let's pause there for a minute. I don't want to rush this. I want to get this next part but before we have to go. But let, let's pause there for a minute. That's what God wants for you. We, we touched on this briefly this morning. And, and here is one of the key things that Jesus pointed to in Scripture to confirm this. When he asked questions like, that began like this. 
What father among you? Amen. And there's, there's nothing on this list that a good father or mother wouldn't want for their own children. We want our children to be healthy. We want our children to prosper. We want our children to be at peace. We want our children to be fruitful. We want our children to live meaningful lives. We want our children to find contentment in their purpose in life. We, we, in other words, these are things that we want for our children. We want these things for our children because we were created in the image and likeness of, of, of God who wants these things for us. This is the will of God concerning you. These are the things that Father God desires for you. Now, again, people absolutely disagree with how to obtain those things. But I offer to you once again tonight, no one in their right mind disagrees with wanting those things for themselves. You, you picking up what I'm putting down? Right? So now we come to this next question. What does God want from you? From you. Now, I'm going to, again, I'm trying to simplify this tonight. And I'm going to give you more than one word. I'm going to give you more than one word, but we're going to start with one word. What does God want from you and me? He wants fellowship. Probably not what some of you are expecting me to say. He wants you to be his friend more than anything else. He wants fellowship from you. He wants to be able to come in the cool of the evening and spend time with you. He wants to be able to knock on the door of our busy lives and invite us to go sit down and have a meal with him. It's what he wants from you. It's all he's ever wanted from you. And any, any thought that you have beyond that, it's just the complications that religion has added to the picture. He wants to live in community with you. Covenant with you communion with you. He wants to be loved by you and this is why He loved you first. He wants your fellowship with Him to lead to a trust in Him. Faith, in other words. He wants to share His life with you
and for you to share yours with Him. Now, this is where you're going to have to listen to me very carefully, okay? Because I really felt like, again, the Lord was speaking clearly to my heart in this, but I kept trying to say, no, Lord, that can't be. No, you know. Listen to me. This, again, I'm here to preach. You're here to, to search the Scriptures and judge for yourself, okay? But this is what the Lord said to me, and I'm, it's going to require some explaining because it requires some explaining from me. He said, in the same way that everybody wants what I want for them, everybody also wants what I want from them. And so I'm like, well, Father, hold on a second, because I know a lot of people that don't want anything to do with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly praying for them, and I know my brothers are, but there'll be men in class in the morning that would rather be anywhere but in a chapel listening to Pastor Mark. And so I, I struggle with that for a moment. I'm like, Father, wait. Now, I know that everybody wants to be blessed. I know everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to, to, to win in life. Everybody wants to be healthy and, pro and, 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 and wealthy and, and these kinds of things. But, but is it not the problem that, that not everybody wants what you want from them? He said, I'm talking about the bigger picture. And things people want that they don't understand. People long for fellowship, community, and communion. Is it not true that they long for closeness, friendship, and someone that they trust to share their lives with? See, everybody's looking for that. It goes back to the same point. Everybody's looking for what Father God wants for them and everybody desires and ultimately wants what He wants from them. But where the disagreement comes in is with the way, right? The ways of God, with, with the way to be blessed, with the way to ultimately satisfy that longing that every person has in their hearts. People long for this kind of fellowship because our souls were created for it. And so I'm still, I'm like, okay, Father, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this, but, um, and I, I really feel like that, that from there he said, consider people's obsession with the rich and famous. Now, this was all obviously before the events that unfolded today. I'm sure by now most everyone in this room has heard that a basketball legend was killed in a plane crash today and other folks in that plane. And I don't know Kobe Bryant. I'm sure somewhere else in the world a lot of people were killed in a plane crash or, or a helicopter crash rather today. But his notoriety... In other words, people 
long to have some kind of connection with Him to the point that people even imagine that they have one. Right? <laughs> people become so obsessed with, with people who are famous. And I mean, look, if you, if you don't believe me, just look at reality TV. I mean, you've got, you got wealthy people that have literally made a cottage industry out of nothing more than people following their lives on television. Because we so desperately long to have that kind of connection with someone who is rich and famous. Let me tell you something. They don't get any more wealthy and any more famous than our father. So that's, that's, that's why we have that um, longing. One of the brothers was sharing with me uh, before church. Church touched my heart, right? I mean, in a deep way, that they've been going down and visiting the nursing home and, and uh, spending some time with the folks that are there, brought them some ice cream, watched a movie with them, just hanging out with them down there. See, now that's... <laughs> I don't mean it, please don't take this the wrong way. If one of them folks died in a helicopter crash today, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, nobody interrupt, I wouldn't get it on my watch. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, my watch is blowing up, you know, Kobe, you see what I'm saying? But that person's just as important, just as precious, you know, somebody to hold their hand, eat a bowl of vanilla ice cream with and watch a movie. To our father, you see, you see what I'm saying? But, Notice the, the, the draw is for the, the famous, the rich, the beautiful, the, the athlete, the this and the that. It's because our souls were created for these kinds of connections. So what people take issue with is the way to have this intimate fellowship with our Creator, not the desire for it. Not the want. You know what I'm saying? We want this. We, we long for fellowship in this capacity. But again, what people take issue with is the way to have this intimate fellowship with our Creator. Because it involves things like humility, surrender, Stop trying to control your own life. Faith. You realize that through humility, surrender, faith, how about this one, obedience? This is where obedience comes in here. Humility, surrender, faith, and obedience. You can have fellowship. See, but no humility, it, 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 it creates a barrier. It, it, it creates a, an obstacle, a hindrance. It's not the will of God. It's not what He wants from you. He doesn't want pride from you. doesn't want disobedience from you. doesn't want doubt and unbelief from you. doesn't want you taking control of your own life. Why does he not want those things from you? It's because those things prevent what he genuinely wants from you, fellowship. 
They prevent the, they hinder, prevent the fellowship from happening. You follow this? You follow what I'm picking? Pick All right. So Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. You'll find it. Matt Hammond at the conference um, last week, I think he was preaching on, I think this was a Wednesday morning or mid-morning session, to be honest with you, exactly when all these things occurred. But he, he'd actually finished his message. It was a, it was a great message. And kind of like what I'm doing now, you know, kind of closed everything up, was just, was just talking. And, and in that, he used a hyphenated word that I had never put the two together. And somehow, man, it just, it registered in me. As a matter of fact, in my, in my notebook, I took a whole page and wrote, wrote the word um, real big on that one page because it just, it communicated a truth to me in, in a way that I could grasp it or in a way that I'd never grasped it before. And, and the hyphenated word was, are you ready? Self-concern. Concern for self. Amen. Now, we, we talk a lot around here about selfishness, being self-focused, self-absorbed, you know, self this, self that. But I don't know, there was something about that and I... I didn't really plan or intend on sharing it tonight, but it just kind of, that last part there, self-concern. He said so much of what we call worry for other people is really not worry for them at all. It's worry for ourselves. It's worry for our self-concern for how, if something happened to them, how it's going to affect us. In other words, we're, 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 you know, we think we're being good parents because we're worrying about our kids. And we're not even really concerned for them. We're concerned. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, it's, it, it, it all comes back to a self-concern, which is nothing more than, than what? It's just a, a disguised form of trying to take ownership of your, of your life and, and, and um, control uh, our own lives. You follow what I'm saying here? Maybe I should have held off on this right here, but I just felt compelled to do it. Self-concern. Concern for self. And again, he said, if you try to save your life, see, it's self-concern that motivates us to try to save our own lives that, that allows the enemy to produce so much anxiety and fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, dread, all rooted in self-concern. Self-concern. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't let the devil do that to you. Amen. Don't let him do that. Don't let him do that to you. It's, it's, it's one more level of 
putting our trust in Father. Amen. Amen. He said, take no thought. Take no thought. No troublesome, worrisome thought about your own life. Amen. The enemy has so many people so concerned about themselves, and that's what motivates them. That's what drives them. We, and it, and it's, it's camouflaged. That's another word there. It's camouflaged as something that uh, is an obstacle to the life that Father created us to live. Amen? You get anything out of this tonight? All right, stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we stand before you tonight as those that you've set your love upon. Father, those that <laughs> you've called us, you've chosen us, Lord. Help us, Father, start fresh tonight with a clearer understanding of exactly what it is that you want for us to have and enjoy and experience in life and what you want from us. Father, thank you that you have at great price to yourself, at great cost to yourself, you, you, you now have it locked in, Father. Even if, even if we commit a sin, Jesus has already paid the price for that sin and you simply ask us to confess it and you've promised to cleanse us so that that sin would no longer interrupt your opportunity and our opportunity to have fellowship one with another. Father, I pray for those who are here in the room tonight or those who will be listening later, the internet, some other means, Lord, that are struggling with this idea that you want perfection from us. You, you want us to never do anything wrong and always do everything right and anything less than that is just simply unacceptable. Father, thank you for helping us break free from that. And even at our lowest and even, Father, at the, at the point in our lives where, where we do sin and we do things that we shouldn't do, that we don't run from you, but we, we run to you and allow you to help us, give us strength. Father, I thank you for the week ahead. I thank you, Father, that we're going to let our light so shine before others that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Help us, Father, have influence for your glory in the lives of other people this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Your love tonight. Thank you so much for being here.